Philippians 1, 12 through 14. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we we thank you, Lord. Your word is amazing. You are amazing. Lord, we just uh, stand in awe of you. And and, and Father, I just pray that we would continue to be more in awe of you and more in wonder of you as we dig into your word, as we we see you revealed through your written word. Father, I pray for a rhema word, Father, for each and every person sitting in this place tonight. I pray that you would speak to them, speak to me and through me. Lord, I need your help. I cannot do this on my own, nor do I want to. Holy Spirit, we need you. I need your leading, your guiding and direction. Illuminate your word to us. Help us to apply it to our lives that we can continue to think and look at things eternally. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. You know, some of y'all might have heard this story before. I've told this story quite a few times. Um, well, especially when I do marriage counseling, I've married probably over a dozen, probably going on about 15 couples now. I married a young couple uh, just, just a little over a week ago. And in our last pre-marriage counseling session, I told them this story uh, about when my wife and I were getting married. My wife and I had prepared to get married at a place uh, uh, in rain. It was a reception hall. And we had everything, you know, all the invitations done. All the invitations mailed out, uh, you know, ready to go, just, you know, wrapping up the last minute things and the, the three weeks leading up to the wedding. So three weeks before our wedding, my wife gets a phone call from the place and says, we're changing ownership and we're going to have to shut down for a month. Y'all can't get married here anymore. Three weeks, not months, three weeks. Invitations out, I have family coming from out of town and... Needless to say, I found out later, you know, my wife, I didn't think she was that freaked out about it, but I found out later she was, as probably any woman would be. And uh, I think she said she almost had an anxiety attack, pretty much, right? Close to it, okay? But, you know, for me, it was like, okay, well, I really like that place. Um, But at this point, you know, we can get married on my back porch for all I'm care, you know? Let's, let's just do this. And I'm going to tell you why. One, obviously, I was ready to be joined to my bride. But you have the build up to the wedding and the wedding, which most, from what I understand from my wife tells me, most young ladies dream about since they're little girls. Right, ladies? You dream about your wedding day and what you're going to wear and your dress and all the flowers and all that kind of stuff. You know, um, and it's the build up to the wedding, the wedding. But then you have after the wedding what's called the what? The honeymoon. Right? Right? Okay, y'all can talk to me. It's okay. You can talk in, 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 in service. So for me, I wasn't really that bummed out about it because we were going to Hawaii for our honeymoon. Yeah, amen. Come on, somebody. Now, now I'm getting some feedback. So for me, even though that was a major thing and everybody's like, oh my goodness, I've never heard anything like that. People like, I started thinking about it later, like you could probably sue a company for doing something crazy like that, but like obviously we wasn't going to do any of that. But I was so focused on the honeymoon that this bump in the road or this little, this, this, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, this uh, inconvenience or obstacle that came up wasn't that big of a deal because I was focused on what was happening after the wedding, which was 
the honeymoon. You know, as I read this scripture recently, I was reminded how the Apostle Paul looked at life. It didn't matter what happened in his life to him here on earth. He was always focused on eternity and the events looking leading up to eternity. Paul, a lot of things would happen in the Apostle Paul's life. You can read about it all through the New Testament. And Paul very, very often wouldn't get so caught up in the events going on here because like me with the wedding, he was focused on the event that was going to happen after this world, and that was eternity. That was heaven. He always kept an eternal perspective. My question to you tonight is, do you keep an eternal perspective in life in everything. Tonight, I want to challenge you to do so. Tonight, I want to talk to you about keeping an eternal perspective. So I want to look. I want to give you a few ways. This list is obviously not exhaustive, but I want to give you four ways that we can keep an eternal perspective. And a lot of it's going to come out of first, uh, I mean, out of Philippians chapter 1, out of the verse that I just read or, uh, uh, and leading up in, in, in that area in Philippians. But mostly from the Apostle Paul, we can look at a few different books but how to keep an eternal perspective like him. You know, and we, we read about it. There's one paragraph in, in the Bible that he talks about all the shipwreck and the persecution and the hunger and the imprisonment and the beatings and all of this that he, he, he took upon himself. But the whole time, Paul had an eternal expect, uh, perspective. So number one, number one, how do we keep an eternal perspective? Number one, y'all have heard me talk about this before. I've used this, this point quite often, but I want to elaborate on it a little more tonight. Number one is we must focus on heaven's reality. We must focus on heaven's reality. We must know that heaven is for real. I know there was a book written about it, the little boy that went, the movie and everything. But heaven is reality. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, Paul says this, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think upon things, about things of heaven, not the things of earth. Now, I've said this quite a few times. Paul's not saying, you know, don't, don't do anything, you know, don't worry about the things of earth. Don't go to work. Don't pay your bills. Don't do, that's not what he's saying. What Paul's saying is don't get so caught up in the things of earth that you're not focusing and realizing how much of a reality and nowadays how close heaven really is. Are y'all hearing me out there? That's what Paul's saying. Listen, set your sights on the reality. First thing he says is set your sights on the reality of heaven. Heaven is real. Heaven is a reality. If you are born again believer, heaven is our permanent home. Think upon that. Begin, especially in in this craziness of of the world we live in now, focus on that reality. Think upon that, not about the things that are going on. And nowadays, with with TV, with media, internet, social media, it's very easy to be focused on the things that are going on right here on this earth, right? Because it's right there at at one touch. All you got to do is hit your, your iPad, your iPhone, your Android, whatever. Turn on your TV, whatever it may be. And just like that, in an instant, you can pop up the latest news, the latest tragedy that's going on around the earth, right? It's very easy. So think about that. Paul was talking about this thousands of years ago. And now, even more so. That's why I'm encouraging you tonight to keep an eternal perspective. You see, Paul summoned the Colossians to a new way of thinking 
that resulted in a new lifestyle. You know, uh, you know, it, when we begin to think about heaven, we begin to act different. We begin to do things differently. You know, this was really, really cool. As the Lord, as I read this, like I said, and started getting stirred up about this, um, it was also last week, the end of last week, maybe over the weekend, close to the, the weekend. I don't remember exactly what day. I'm riding in the, in the car with my son, and he begins to talk about heaven. He begins to talk about the rapture. And he's like, Dad, what's going to happen in the rapture? Are we just going to like, are we just going to like, you know, get shot up there just like instantly? Or are we just going to kind of ascend and just kind of float up and just check? Like his little mind was just talking about heaven and the rapture and us going to be with Jesus. And I was like, you know, buddy, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. And we started kind of talking about the scripture and whatnot. And I'm telling you, and I started talking to him. And we're going to look at all these things. I'm talking about how heaven, you know, man, heaven is our, our permanent home. And as we begin to talk about heaven, I'm telling you, the presence of God begin to fill my car. Like I can sense the presence of the Lord as me and my son just begin to think about heaven and talk about the reality of heaven. Then this was really cool. Then he begins to tell me about some dreams he's been having about heaven. I guess maybe that's why he started asking about the rapture or whatnot, because he's beginning to tell me about these dreams that he had. Like he was swinging on this big swing like that, that they have in my father-in-law's house. And he was swinging and he said he kept swinging higher and higher. Then eventually he just kind of like got shot up and catapulted into heaven. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. It's like, then what happened? And then he told me about another thing. It was kind of similar to swing. And then he got, you know, like one was like he grabbed some balloons and he got taken up into heaven and all this awesome stuff. And I was like, so what happened once you got to heaven? Like, what did you see? Who did Jesus meet you? And he's like, I don't know. I woke up every time. So I was just like, man. But I tell you what, that was so awesome. Because you know what? My now today 10-year-old son is focusing on heaven. He knows heaven's a reality, so he's asking questions about how are we going to get there? What, how's it going to be? Swing balloons. He said one was like he fell in a pipe and then it shot him into heaven. And oh, But everything ended up in heaven. I was like, dude, that's awesome. However you get there, it's awesome that that's where you ended up, you know? You know, going back, you know, Paul you know, was, was beckoning them to have a, 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 a thinking pattern changing, of not just thinking about earthly things but heavenly things so their life would change. Like I said... You know, a lot of people say they believe in heaven and that they're going there, but their lifestyle says otherwise. A lot of people really don't act like heaven's a reality. Because you see what people are focused on with their time, their energy, and their money's dumped into. I knew it was going to get quiet on that one. Philippians 3, 17 and 19, listen to what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow me. This is Paul speaking. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. Then listen to this. And they think only about this life here on earth. They think only about this life here on earth. We know that Paul didn't just, you know, as he's talking to, that, to these people, telling us by the Holy Spirit, you know, he didn't just tell them to focus on the reality of heaven. We know Paul did this himself. You know, I've, I've quoted this next scripture I'm about to read several times. 
using it, talking about forgetting about the past and our sins and our failures and whatnot and just, you know, look forward to the future. But but when I was studying and since this has been stirring up in me and let me let me stop by saying this challenged me. First of all, reading this and then hearing my son talk about it. This challenged me. How much am I focusing on heaven? Pastor Kelly always challenges me. When we start talking about heaven and the rapture and everything, Pastor Kelly's like, I ain't going to be caught off guard because every day I'm looking up at the sky like, is that thing cracking or what? Is, and he's always, every time we talk about it, it's like, I'm like, dude, he's, he's, he's ready. He's like, if he goes duck hunting, he's, he's looking for ducks, but he's also looking for Jesus. Is he coming back? I don't, you know, and so I, you know, and I, I'm going to get into that in a little bit, but you know, it challenged me. This personally challenges me of how much, even as a pastor, how much am I truly focusing on a daily basis on heaven? Obviously, I know heaven's real. You know, God has called me to help get as many people into heaven as possible. But on a regular basis, how much am I doing this? Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Paul understood he wouldn't reach perfection until he got to heaven. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. This is where I would always think about it differently. But he says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I don't think he was talking about next Monday. Right? Why? Because the next line, he says, I press on to reach the end of the race. The end of the race, when it's all said and done, heaven. And receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You know, and I, I, I've seen that part, I've read that part, but it really just sank down in me this past week. That, you know, forgetting what lies behind and press on to what lies ahead. Listen, church, heaven lies ahead. Eternity lies ahead, and I believe we're knocking on the door. As Pastor Bobby spoke a couple weeks ago, or was that last week? Last week he was here speaking on are we living in the last days, you know. Heaven lies ahead. Paul kept an eternal perspective. You know, using himself as an example, Paul encourages the Philippians to pursue Christ and the hope of heaven with great determination. With great determination, pursuing that that hope of heaven, that you know, and the Holy Spirit is doing the same with us today. Paul was telling the Philippians, but we know that this is the living word of God is living and active. It's actively working in our lives. The Holy Spirit is actively telling us today: be determined, be purposeful, keep this eternal perspective. Amen. Because I truly believe that if we focus on the realities of heaven, that we would live with less fear and more fervor. You might want to write that down. I believe if we focus on the realities of heaven, we would live with less fear and more fervor. Why fear if you're going to die if you know that all you're going to do is cross over onto the other side? Right? I mean, I understand, especially if you have children. I have children. You know, I think about if I would die, I would, you know, leave my wife a widow and my kids and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, people fear death when they know. The Bible talks about that. Paul talks about that. Jesus came to break the fear of death off of people. Right? So if we truly kept an eternal perspective, you would not fear death at all. And we see this with the great martyrs of the day to now, to the Egyptians that got executed by ISIS that was just screaming out Jesus but would not deny Jesus. They were not scared to die because they knew they were going to go meet Jesus as soon as it was over. 
So if we focus on the realities of heaven, I'll say it one more time, I think we would live with less fear and more fervor. The fear would be gone and we'd have more of a fervor, passionate fire for Jesus and for souls and to see people experience the realities of heaven. Amen? So number one, focus on heaven's reality. Number two, and this is, this is really, this, this is the scripture and the, the, where, where this message got birth out of. But number two, I want to elaborate on it in this point. Number two is that realize that hard times can help spread the gospel. And this is where the scripture came out of, this message came out of first, um, I'm sorry, Philippians 1, 12 through 14. I read it at the beginning, I'm going to read it again. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything, listen, everything that has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. I'm going to just stop right there. Everything that has happened to me helped to spread the good news, to spread the gospel, the gospel message that says we can be saved and spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had a, a, a perspective of eternity that even in my darkest hour, the darkest valley, the deepest pit, the dirtiest dungeon, the worst persecution... Everything has helped further the gospel and lead more people into eternity. Amen? And he goes on to say this. For, and he gives some examples. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. So right there he's saying, look, I, I'm a witness to the guards here in the, it's the, the, in the, in the, um, in the, uh, the palace guard, which is like the military headquarter. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Remember, we just talked about without fear. That they had a, that they, that they can see eternity in Paul. They can see Paul was a man of eternity. He was driven by eternity. He was driven about the reality of heaven. And he said, you know what? Because of this, the gospel's being spread. I'm being a witness to the guards and it's helping. These believers. He was talking about his imprisonment. And as a result, Paul's courage and boldness, the believers became more daring and less fearful in proclaiming the gospel. Once again, Paul could see these things because he had an eternal perspective. What is your perspective life like in the midst of hard time, in the midst of trouble? Is it, is it a woe is me? Is it God, why are you letting this happening? Or is it, man, how can God be glorified and eternity be more of a reality of people during this time? You know, I, I think about this, some examples of this. Obviously, persecution of the church all the way back from biblical times till today and everywhere in between. Every time people were persecuted from back in the day in the biblical times when they were throwing Christians to the lions in Rome, when they were crucifying uh, people upside down, setting them on fire, all this kind of stuff, to now the persecution to, of, of ISIS to all these Christians uh, around the world, or well, whatever the case may be in China, the governments and all these communist countries that have persecuted. China has, is like the fastest growing church in the world. And there's no church buildings. Like, it's all underground. You see that every time this great persecution comes, the gospel spreads like wildfire. You know, I think about some of the things closer to home. Like, you know, years back when Hurricane Katrina hit, I can remember our church being full and doing an outreach to the people of New Orleans. You know, in that time, they were going through a major, uh, you know, battle 
major loss in their lives, in their city. And it was a great opportunity. People moved here. We was able to minister the gospel. People went to New Orleans to be able to minister the gospel. When the earthquakes hit a few years back in Haiti and those different places and the earthquakes that are just happening now, there's missionaries. There's one missionary that we partner with that's doing all kind of work in these areas that the earthquakes have hit. And we went through the recession a few years ago. You can see people, you know, more open to the gospel when their livelihood fell out from under them and everything that they trusted in this earth, they couldn't stand on any longer. They were more open to hear the gospel. Y'all following me? Even now, you know, with the layoffs in the all field or when someone, maybe yourself or someone, you know, finds out they've had cancer or has cancer or you've lost a loved one. How do you look? What's your perspective on those things? Paul said, everything that has happened to me has helped further the gospel. Everything. That's why we pray. And, you know, and as I'm getting a greater understanding, I've prayed it for years and prayed over myself, prayed over a lot of y'all that, you know, God works all things to the good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. You know, and, and, and that is true, definitely. But if you read, you know, one verse after that, it says to become, to turn us into the, the likeness or the form of Christ. The good he wants to work out in us is us becoming more like Jesus. Amen. And when we become more like Jesus, we keep an eternal perspective. Amen. Number three, we must live as citizens of heaven. We must live as citizens of heaven. Philippians 1.27 says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Philippians 3.20 says, But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. We are foreigners here, church. Heaven is our home. We are foreigners we are just passing through. He says, live as citizens of heaven. As I was preparing this, I began to think about, you know, I've, I've been blessed and had the opportunity, especially when I was the youth pastor, to go on, on many mission trips. And so I begin to think about this as he says, live as citizens of heaven. You know, when, every time we've gone on mission trips to a foreign country, we would go there for a week or so. I knew that I was still a citizen of the United States of America, right? I knew that, you know, even though I go there and I had to give up some of the comforts maybe of home and, you know, take cold showers and, you know, maybe sleep somewhere with no AC or, or what, you know, or eat some not so tasty food. I realized I was still a foreigner in that country. And after that week, and some of y'all, have any of y'all been on the mission field for a long time, are probably looking at me like, come on, dude, you're a pansy, really? I've heard mission trip stories that that's, that's nothing. Like Pastor Larry Bethany said he worked in, in, in Africa for two years and they'd have to crawl through dung to get back in their tent every night. I'm like, that's a missionary right there. But what I, my point is that whether it was a two-year mission trip or a one-week mission trip, I knew I was a foreigner in that land. And eventually, after all my discomforts and all that kind of stuff, I was coming back home. My permanent home in the natural was the United States of America. You know, some people don't want to give up certain things or don't want to go through struggles or surrender because they don't understand that this is not their permanent home. They think that this, all that this is is this life and they don't think about heaven. You know, oftentimes I've talked to people 
And I tell them that the ones that are struggling with surrendering their life fully to the Lord, that, you know, to understand that life is short and that eternity is forever. That you're talking a little bit of span of time versus eternity. Just like that mission trip, you know what? Going on the mission field, even if I had to crawl through that dung and, and eat whatever I had to eat or go through. I mean, my wife and Pastor Kelly, they've told me stories of the mission trips they've done in the Darien jungle and riding on canoes for hours and all kind of stuff. Even that was nothing, right? Compared to coming back home, you knew you were going to come back home. The same thing is true. That one week on a mission field can't compare to coming back and living permanently in the U.S. You know what? This little time on earth cannot even come close to comparing to our eternity in heaven. Amen? We must live as citizens of heaven. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard to understand because as, you know, the great theologian Lecrae says, my home is somewhere I've never been before. Right? We've never been there, so it's hard to wrap our brains around it, but the Bible tells us that's our home. We haven't been there yet, but that's our permanent home. That's our permanent resting place. It was at that point that night in my car, that day in my car, when I spoke that to my son, I said, man, heaven's our permanent home. That's what, in that moment, I just, I just felt the presence of God. It was like heaven had a little piece of heaven invaded my car when we focus and get an eternal perspective. Amen. So how do we live as citizens of heaven? Well, Paul gives us some, some insight in some ways in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. He says this, Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the light. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. Now listen to this. So be on your guard. Not asleep like others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Not in, in, not, night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. So here are a few ways to live as citizens of heaven. First, be careful not to become spiritually complacent. Verse 6 says, be on your guard, not asleep like others. He's talking about not being spiritually complacent. Don't fall asleep. Don't get lulled to sleep by the things of this world. Remember, be alert, be on guard, be spiritually alert, awake, and understanding, once again, the reality of heaven. Amen? That's the first thing. Okay, number two is to stay clear-headed. Stay clear-headed. Listen, I, I, I do believe that this is a direct warning about being intoxicated with, with alcohol and drugs. Because right after, he says, night is a time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. So be clear-headed. I don't believe it's a metaphor. I believe this is what he's talking about. You know, I've had people, especially as a youth pastor, you know, uh, I, had, I remember having a, one particular, a few of them, teenagers or people come up to me and it's like, Hey, uh, Pastor Brandon, where it says in the Bible, I can't smoke weed. And I'm like, well, it, it actually doesn't say anywhere that you can't smoke weed. But I always point them to this scripture. And I say, you know what? The Bible says to stay clear headed. As a pothead, I was a pothead for 10 years. 
When you're high, you're not clear-headed. Am I right? Would you agree with that assessment of that scripture? If you're high, you're not clear-headed. The Bible says to stay clear-headed. You know what? Because if you're drunk and you're high and you're on all kinds of drugs, I, most of the time, you're not thinking about heaven. Now, I know everybody has a drunk uncle. When he gets drunk, he starts talking about Jesus. Or he starts talking about heaven. I understand. Some people do. But not in the way we're talking about it, right? Not in the way of focusing on it. So be clear-headed. And I mean, it doesn't, I don't think it's limited. I, I do believe in the context it is talking about that. But listen, you know, I, I, and I guess coming from my old lifestyle, before God saved me and delivered me, I know what all of that stuff does. I know where my mind's at. I know, I know what I was thinking and not thinking, forgetting, not even remembering driving home, all this kind of stuff. The more clear-headed I can be, and it don't stop with just drugs and alcohol. It can be, you need to be clear-headed with the philosophies of the world. Don't clutter your mind with too much news programs or philosophies or things you read online. And, you know, you become like what uh, Pastor Bobby said last week, the, uh, the preppers, you know, the in, the doomsday preppers, you know. If that's one of you, I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, you, you, you get caught up in that stuff, right? Let me just, let me speak about the preppers. If we have any preppers in here, let me just address you real quick, okay? All right, is that okay? I know nobody's going to raise their hand or anything, but this is my thing. You know where I'm saying this, and I'm not trying to pick on you or be, be, you know, ugly or nothing. I've had friends, literally, I had one about a month ago call me and was considering that. I was like, man, you know, I'm reading online, and, and right, right there I'm like, man, be careful what you read on the internet. But it's like, man, well, what if this happens and, you know, they said the president's going to do this and that, that, this and then martial law and the electricity and the grids are going to go out. And, I mean, he was serious. Man of God loves the Lord and all this kind of stuff. You know, he's like, man, I'm thinking about it. I got some land, you know, out in another state and I'm going to, we might, I might take my family. But man, but he wanted counsel. He's like, seriously, as a pastor, man, what's your take on that? I said, this is my take on it. My take on it is where we started at the beginning. Let's say everything he just said was true. And I'm not going to repeat everything. You can, you can find all that stuff on the internet. Let's say everything you said is true. I don't believe it because of, you know, you got people can write whatever they want on the internet is basically. But let's say all that's true. Let's say literally all this kind of anarchy, the, you know, the government does what they want, take over martial law, everything. We can't do this and that. Guess what? You're going to have a bunch of scared, panicking, freaking out people. And we got the answer. Amen. Why I wouldn't want to go run off with my family in a secluded place in the country where nobody else is around. That would be the greatest time for harvest. Amen. That would be the time to share with people like, you know what? Listen, as Paul said, if all that stuff happens, it'll help further the gospel. Because when people are scared, like, man, this is the end of the world. Is this the end of the world? Hey, it might be. Are you ready? It might be. But it is in the world. Where are you going to spend your eternity? Have you thought about eternity? So if all this stuff's happening, guess what? I know a way where you don't have to be. If everything ends and everything goes, you know, into the dumps, we can be secure in our eternity. Amen? Okay, that's my little soapbox. I'm done. The last thing that Paul says here in Thessalonians, he says uh, in verse 8, but let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. We must wear faith and love like armor. We must wear faith and love like armor. You know why? Because faith in the God of heaven will keep us focused on heaven. Amen? 
Because you have all these darts coming at you from the enemy and from the internet. Wear faith like armor and say, you know what? Even if this happens, I know where my, my resting place resides. I know where my permanent address is. Amen? And then love for Christ and for people will help you stay focused on getting people to heaven. So he says, put on faith and love like an armor. That faith will keep you focused on where your eternity is at. And that love for Christ, that burning passion for Jesus and for people will help you to stay focused on souls and trying to get as many people there as possible. Amen. And then the last part in in Thessalonians, as he says right there in verse 8, he says to uh, wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. The last thing I wanted to say about that is be confident in your salvation. Be confident in your salvation. You know, the enemy will make you try and doubt your salvation. And I know I'm talking to a lot of people in here because I'm shocked as many born-again believers that have been saved longer than me tell me that the enemy still tries to get them in that like, man, am I really saved? Come on, I see a lot of heads shaking in here. Am I really, if I die, am I really going to heaven? The enemy will try to make you doubt your salvation. Don't let him. Put on the helmet of salvation, Amen. As Pastor Todd, we just talked about the, the, the armor of God. Put on the helmet of salvation and stand firm. Be confident in your salvation. Amen? That is four ways that we can live as citizens of heaven. And then the fourth and the final way that you can keep, help keep an eternal perspective is to get around others that have an eternal perspective. Get around others that have an eternal perspective. Philippians 1.27 says, Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Standing, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. The good news is that we can spend eternity in heaven with Jesus, right? That we can be forgiven of our sins through the blood of Jesus We can be, that's the good news. That's the gospel. If we repent of our sins, turn to him. So we need to stand and fight together. You need to get around other people as we talked about being, you know, in the born for battle series, being warrior ready with others around you. Going back to Thessalonians as, as Paul is, 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 is preparing and trying to encourage the people to have an eternal perspective. First Thessalonians 4, 15, 18, he says this, we will tell you this. Directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Listen, this is the key. This last line. So encourage each other with these words. Amen? So encourage each other with these words. Get around people that can encourage you. He was talking about the rapture. He was talking about eternity here, about heaven, about being with Jesus forever. And he says, listen, I'm encouraging you now. Encourage one another. When things get tough, when things get hard, when, 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 you know, all this stuff's happening, when you just get consumed with life and, and work and, 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 and baseball and, and sports and hunting and fishing and all this kind, remember, encourage one another about heaven. You know what? That day in the car, it was my son that brought up heaven. I'll be honest with you. 
I was driving. I wasn't even thinking about heaven. I don't remember what I was thinking about. And he just popped up. Hey, Dad, when we get raptured, how are we going to go up there? Just out of the blue. That's awesome to be encouraged by my 10-year-old son about heaven. Amen? And it made me begin to think about it. Like I said, that's why I love getting around like Pastor Kelly. Like I was going back, we were talking about it one day. We were talking about duck hunting. I was talking about, yeah, man, it's awesome, you know, beautiful, the sunrise and everything when you duck hunting and looking at the sky. And I don't know, quickly he turned it to like, yeah, man, I'll be looking at the sky for Jesus to come back. I'm like, thanks for making me feel very unspiritual there, you know. But, you know, he didn't do it on purpose. I was just thinking like, yeah, you're right. That's awesome, you know. But but it's right. See, but that's the kind of people I need to be around. Amen? People like Pastor Kelly that's going to encourage me about heaven, to think about heaven, to, you know, encourage, you know, one another. You know, the scripture I just read in a little bit before, uh, when we do funerals and the graveside uh, service, we, we most, most of the time, usually we use this scripture I just read. And we do so to help the family that's grieving to have an eternal perspective. Because first... We, we, we encourage them to listen, if you know your loved one was saved, especially, you know, those that maybe suffered with a, with a disease, an illness, a sickness, or, you know, they're not suffering anymore. They're with Jesus now. Help them have that eternal perspective that they're in the arms of the Lord now. And, and, and it helps them, as we say. That's why Paul says encourage them. Because before that, it says, don't, don't mourn like those that don't have any hope. He's not saying not to mourn at all. But he's saying don't mourn like people that have no hope. They think when they die, that's it. The worms are going to eat them and they're done. He's saying that we don't have to mourn that way. We're still going to mourn, but we know there's the hope of the resurrection and of eternity. So that's the first part we try to encourage. Second part, we encourage them. Listen, if your loved one was saved, was born again, they're with Jesus now. And if you're born again and you're saved... We always say this. I've heard Pastor Todd say it for years. You don't have to say goodbye. You can just say see you later. Because you're going to spend eternity with them as well. You're not only going to see them again. And we hear people say, oh, yeah, I know I'm going to see them again. That's great. You're going to see them again. And you're going to live with them forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's why you want to get around people that's going to encourage you. You know, because that's the hope. The hope is, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see him again. I know, you know, I, I'm not saying anything Pastor Kelly hadn't shared many times. That's one of the reasons he says he's always looking because, you know, they've, they've had multiple miscarriages. And he's like, man, if, if, if this thing goes down, I'm, I'm be with Jesus and my baby's like that. Let's go. I'm ready. You know, so, you know, and that's one of the reasons why. But he has that hope. He has the, the perspective that, you know what, I, I, I'm going to see my little ones one day. I didn't get to see him on earth, but I'm going to see them one day. You know, and, and so all of us that have lost loved ones, you know, that's the hope that we have. That's why Paul said encourage one another. But just in the light, I'm just making this one, one example. But this whole thing, as I'm wrapping it up, get around people that can encourage you, you know, that can help you. That can, that's why the proverb says iron sharpens iron. If you haven't been focused on heaven, get around somebody like Pastor Kelly. Get around somebody that you know that has is heavenly minded, you know. Some people say, well, you know, if you're not, if you're too heavenly minded, you can't be no earthly good. But you know what? If you, if you too, you know, you're not heavenly minded at all, you're going to have too much earth in you, too much of the world in you. Right. I mean, I know what they're saying. I know that saying, if you ever use that saying, no offense, you know, I know what they say. If you're too heavenly minded, you can't, you know, people are not going to pay their bills and, you know, have responsibilities. That's not what I'm saying. But at the same time, once again, it can't be flip flopped either. Right. You got to get around people that's like, man, it's not just about your career. It's not just about, you know, this. It's not just about what's going to happen in it. All him. Don't put all that energy. Think upon things of heaven, not just the things of earth. Get around people. 
that can encourage you to do that. Amen? Matter of fact, why don't you stand up with me as we close up? A few questions to ask and then I'll close and dismiss. Y'all right out there? Y'all tracking with me tonight? Amen. You know, you might, you might not have, let me, let me ask you, do you have an eternal perspective? Are you keeping an eternal perspective? Why don't every head bowed, every eye closed? Let's just do, I, I like doing this, just a little self-evaluation, you know. Like I said, I've done this to myself from when my son was talking to me to, as the Lord's stirring me up. I've been thinking about this myself. Have you been keeping an eternal perspective? perspective obviously i believe most of us in here we do know heaven's real we do we do know that you know we we have the head knowledge of that we do i think when it push comes to shove but that's why i titled this message are you keeping an eternal perspective like day in and day out in the hard times in the trial in the loss in the grief in the hurting in the uncertainty you know that's the thing when our economy and if you're in the all field when that's uncertain heaven is certain Heaven's not going to shift on us. God's not going to say, oh, look, here's heaven. Oh, no, never mind. He's not going to do that. Heaven is, is certain. That's one thing that's not going to waver. So have you been keeping an eternal perspective? You may not have been doing this because you're not sure if you're, where you're going to spend eternity. Maybe it's been hard for you to, th- to, to think about eternity because you don't know where you're going to spend eternity. Everybody technically is going to spend eternity, is going to live in eternity, but it's either heaven or hell. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, you know what, Brandon, I... I haven't been thinking about heaven because because I'm not confident in that salvation you was talking about. Maybe you've you're not confident in salvation because you've never been saved. But you know what? Tonight, tonight you can be confident. You can be assured. Just as we took communion and celebrated and remembered the Lord's death, that you can go. If you say, Brandon, every head bowed, every eye closed right now. If you say, you know what, Brandon, I'm not sure. I, I'm not a hundred percent confident that I'm gonna spend eternity with the Lord confident in the salvation that Jesus offers. I want to make sure that I know that I know. I want to be right with God. Either you say, I've never been saved, I've never been born again, or I have, but I've gone away and I need to get right with God. If it it was your last night on earth tonight, where would you spend eternity? If you're not sure and you can't answer that question, I want you to just slip your hand up. Let me see your hand. I want to pray for you. Say, Brandon, I want to make sure that I'm right. I see your hand back there. I see two hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? So I want to make sure I can, I, I'm right with God. Okay, I see your hands. Come on, let's, let's pray with these, these back here. Those, you, you two that are raising your hands, look up at, here at me right now. Look up at me. If you, if you trust in Jesus, that Jesus died, you believe that Jesus died on the cross, came down to, to pay your sin debt so you can spend eternity. If you believe that, I want you to pray this prayer with us. We're all going to pray together. Let's pray. Believe this in your heart, Lord Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I know that you paid the price to forgive me of my sins. So Lord Jesus, I ask that you forgive me. I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, of all disobedience, of all rebellion towards you. Lord Jesus, I want to spend eternity with you. I want to be secure. I want to be confident in the salvation you offer today. I receive the salvation of the cross of Calvary. Now, Lord Jesus, give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. For you two, do me a favor. Before we dismiss, in a minute when we dismiss, 
Please come up here. I'd like to meet you. I'd like to pray for you. I got some information for y'all. Before we dismiss, a few more questions. Have you been focusing on heaven's reality? Have you realized that in hard times, struggles, this can actually help further the gospel and help lead people to Christ? Have you been thinking that way? Are you living as a citizen of heaven or a citizen of the world? You might have been saved. You might have prayed that prayer we just prayed years ago. But, but are you living as a citizen of heaven? Are you thinking eternally? How, are you living clear-headed? Are you dabbling in things that focus, that, 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 that cause you to be confused or lose focus? Whether it be, you know, uh, getting intoxicated or, or, or listening and believing things that don't line up with the Word of God. We must live clear-headed. And do you have people in your life that can encourage you to be heavenly-minded, to be eternally focused? Not just coming to church Wednesdays and Sundays, but people in your life daily. Come on, let's pray. I just want to pray over these things. If, if, if you would say, Brandon, I haven't been doing these things, one of these four things, it's all four. Let's just pray. If that's you, just lift your hands. I want to pray. If there's anybody say, I need to be, I need to work on one of these areas. I need prayer in one of these areas. Okay, hands going up all over the sanctuary. Come on, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that, for, Lord God, for all of us, for me, I thank you for an awakening in me this past week to be more heavenly minded, be more having an eternal perspective. Lord, help us to focus on heaven and its reality. Help us to realize in the times of struggle, of trial, of suffering, of loss, of uncertainty, that, Lord, help us to see the opportunities to share the gospel by what we say and how we act through these tough times. Help us, as Paul, to say, Lord, whatever happens, help us to further the kingdom through the furtherance of the preaching of the gospel, Lord. Help us to live as citizens of heaven. Lord, we know that earth is not our permanent home, even though heaven, Lord, is somewhere we've never been. We know that our permanent resting place, our permanent residence, Lord God, is with you in heaven. Help us to live that way and to think that way, to think clearly, to act clearly. And Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight that doesn't have someone in their life that can encourage them and can help them to keep an eternal perspective. Lord, send people in their lives. Like God, show them right now who they can team up with. Come on, maybe you still are showing you with somebody you've been knowing you need to call or, or connect with. Lord, I pray, send those people in their lives. Help them to link up with someone that can help them, that can sharpen them, that can encourage them. As you said in your word, Lord, to encourage one another with the truths about heaven. Help us to encourage one another as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Lord, we give you the glory, honor, and praise. And thank you, Lord, that you have made a way for us to spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.